0: It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton.
1: Great Sunday night Las Vegas, welcome to Heat Wave Sports, Vox Sports Radio Las Vegas, that's 98.9 FM, 13.40 AM, Tim Unglespeed, Demont Cotton with you from wonderful Las Vegas, Nevada, and my co-host, as always, tombartonsports.com, the Sports Garden Network, Mr. Tom Barton. Tom, a lot of positive reviews last night from last night's show over on the NFL season win totals. I got three different direct messages saying they love the content last night. Yeah, yeah three, three
0: different direct th- messages from you. My Twitter blew up as well. You guys can hit us up on Twitter, HW Sports, Sports or Tom Martin Sports, Sports over on Twitter. On Twitter. And, yeah, yeah,
1: my, I was blown up all, all
0: night, and everyone going, "Oh, you know, I like this or I didn't like that. I like to just get the fan interaction, Tim, right? I, I love for people to tell you you know what hey you're doing a good job well that's great but i want to hear from you guys too so that that was a that was a good show and you know it is pretty funny because sometimes we get lost in stuff me and you we are baseball fans obviously uh you have you know the diehard hockey fans that listen to this station you know, of course you got your sometimes your, your basketball fans but man nothing gets the uh the dial moving faster than a little football talk right
1: oh absolutely and it's it's the it's the one sport i think that you'll find the most common people that can get put together in any setting that you can have a discussion about. whether, And depending on, on the level of your knowledge of the sport, football is always something that, that seems to uh, put people together in friendly debate. Right, Tom?
0: Yeah, and what's funny is I saw a poll today, and I forgot what company did it, but some company put out a poll today, and they had asked, um, what is your favorite day of the football calendar? And it was free agency, NFL draft, opening day, or the Super Bowl. And you know that the NFL draft had 71% of the votes. I I mean, I'm a huge draft guy, but 71% of the votes had draft. Could you imagine? You know, Abby makes fun of me. My wife makes fun of me because when I, I used to play video games, I'm not a video game guy, okay? I buy maybe one a year, and now I haven't bought one in about two years. When I used to play, I used to like to develop the team. You know, that was my thing. I used to love to develop the team. And I always thought I liked to draft more than most people. It's so unique to have a situation in a sport where no games are being played. No, You're not going to get a win from doing anything. And that seems to be the most popular thing. That being the NFL draft, it's so unique.
1: Since, since you brought it up. You know the the poll your the poll you you uh you had. Would you say that was Super Bowl number two on that poll?
0: Super Bowl was number two. I voted for the thing that came in third, which was to me opening day.
1: So and I understand the Super Bowl being there because again you're talking about that's a uh, it's like it basically it's a holiday, right? Everybody gets together, they they uh, put their jerseys on, they get the food going, they drink and, and they they root one way or the other whether that's their team or not they, they figure out a side to be on and they route now with the draft tom and i'm not i'm, I'm going to exclude the sharp people that follow college football and nfl football like it's a religious thing i'm going to also exclude the the above average fan right guys that know names and um colleges yet yeah, that's number one but and, and I know this for a fact because up until last year, I'd gone to a, a draft party or had my own draft party for years. So you have literally people with no idea who the players being drafted are celebrating like they had just won the Super Bowl with their draft pick. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah and, 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 and how about food? the boot? When, when you get, get a Donovan McNabb, and you can out, out of the building. How, how about that? that? You didn't win a game. You didn't a game, lose a game. Nothing happened. happened. And, and people, people are booing like crazy. Like crazy.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. In hour two, to kick off the show, in hour, kick off the hour, in hour two, Tom, I'm gonna reveal the spots that you guys chose for next week's NFL Heatwave Sports Mock Draft first round. Of course, actually, you guys didn't draw it; I did it for you. But I think, I think you'll like, I think you'll like your pick, Tom.
0: Well, listen, one, two, or three on my franchise is gonna be great. <laughs>
1: Right, unless uh, Chris or I make a, a mistake.
0: Uh, look, you, you know, you, you guys <laughs> can make mistakes uh, all you want. I don't, I don't think you could screw up one, two, or three, two or three this year. year. I, I mean, maybe three. three. And, maybe and maybe San Francisco will mess it up. Mess it up. That's, That's the interesting thing.
1: thing. Usually it's the Jets that mess things up, Tom. It's almost, almost always bad. the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>, it's almost <laughs> it's always, always the Jets that mess things
0: I don't think he can this year. year. I mean, look, what, what can they possibly do? When they decided, decided to get rid of Sam Darnold, they said, okay, we're, we're going, going all in. And when we go all in, who we're going all in with is, is a quarterback. And they went with a quarterback, Tim. So I don't think they can screw it up because they're going to go get themselves a quarterback. Now, If they really want to pull a Jets being the Jets being the Jets, they'll go out there and grab like a wide receiver. But I don't even think even the Jets could get that big.
1: Right. No, I'm I'm with you on that for sure. So Hour 2, we'll talk more NFL draft as we'll look over the wide receiver position. A lot lot of wide receivers, quality talent there, and uh, we'll go through some of the big prospect names and maybe where Tom thinks they will land. But tonight we're going to start with Major League Baseball, our Sunday night weekend review, Tom and uh, right off the bat the talk of baseball you're New York Yankees but for the, all the wrong reasons
0: all the wrong reasons the New York Yankees let me give you the bad and then we'll go with the, with with Mike take on it the bad is this the worst problem with the New York Yankees have you could mention after Garrett Cole that they have no pitching you could say that you know what their bullpen is not what it once was in the last couple of years you could tell me all that The problem with the New York Yankees is the problems that we see is very simply they're doing the same problems and the same mistakes that we've had for the last two playoffs, last three playoffs, as a matter of fact. And that is just untimely hitting or the lack of timely hitting. Nobody can move a runner over. They cannot get the clutch hit. And it's all because they're sitting back and they're waiting for the big bomb. And that is the team mentality. This team was built like this. Specifically for that. Now, they've tried to mitigate a little bit of that. D.J. Lemayhew kind of mitigates some of that. Uh, You could see around the infield, they thought Labor Torres wasn't going to be a home run guy. He was going to come in and kind of help that out. Everybody looks at Stanton and Judge. And the reality is, look, Aaron Judge, when he's on, he's a 275-280 hitter, right? Uh, Mike uh, Giancarlo Stanton, when he is out there, he's a productive player. Injuries are usually the problem. We are 10, 11 games into the season now. I'm telling every Yankee fan to calm down. I'm telling them to calm down for right now, depending on what you're talking about. You know, we had a conversation, Chris, Wynn, you know, tagged me in it, where, uh, I, you know, and I, I think I can mention his name on here, you know, because he's part of the network. Is JT the Brick, you know, came out, and he was annoyed at the Yankees as I said Cashman's got to get fired. I couldn't disagree with JT more on the firing aspect Not because I don't disagree, not not because I don't agree with his sentiment. His sentiment, I understand. Cashman put together the same team that we've watched fail time and time again. Cashman didn't go out and get another two and three starter. Cashman didn't do a lot of these things. He constructed this roster, the Stanton deal. But he's not going anywhere, and he shouldn't be fired because it's 10, 11 games into the season. Now, if JT wrote that and the Yankees fan sentiment was, fire Cashman, and we were 40, 50 games into the season, and the Yankees were in last place, and the Yankees have the worst record in the American League. All right, now I'm going to have a different conversation. We as Yankee fans are are built differently. We want success, immediate success, prolonged success, and constant success. Success for Yankee fans is World Series. So I understand understand what what we're talking talking about, but 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 him, you can't call this this team a failure. failure. They're, 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 they're winning, winning division. They're, they're winning making winning the, the playoffs. playoffs. And you can tell me, yeah, of course, with that roster and that size and that salary, I, I know it all. You cannot call what Cashman's done a failure after 10-11 games. If we are sitting here at the All-Star break, okay, and the New York Yankees are, are under Baltimore, looking up at, at Boston, looking up at Tampa, looking up at Toronto, if things are falling apart then, Sure. Absolutely. let heads roll and let's see who goes. But it's not going to be Cashman. I can tell you that. It might be Boone just because it has to. But why are we talking about this now? This is a team that made the playoffs under every regime that these guys have been there, right? All but one year, they've made the playoffs every time Brian Cashman has strapped it up. And, yes, you can tell me that, that he didn't do a good job now. But it's 10-11 games. We've got to calm down. And take a chill pill, as they used to say, right? And just relax. When we get to 40, 50 games, we'll determine it. I'm as sick as everybody or every other Yankee fan, and I'm usually very harsh on the Yankees. You know that. Usually three games in, I'm like, this game stinks. And you know what? I don't see a World Series team here. You know what? I don't see a playoff team yet. But that could change. Look at what we were doing last week. We were bashing the Oaklandese. They roll off eight in a row. Now everybody loves them. It's baseball. We tend to forget 162 games. People are going to look awful for a little while, and the Yankees right now they look awful,
1: five and ten. The um, only team worse right now would be the Colorado Rockies at four and twelve. And you said it. It's uh, just it's 15 games into the season. You know when you have a lineup of with guys like Judge and Torres and Stanton, and they're all slumping at the same time, Tom. So eventually. Those bats will become alive, and the Yankees will go on their run. What's the, what's the sentiment with the local rags out there? Is it, are you saying that because Yankee fans are accustomed to a certain way that, like JT, it's an overreaction situation?
0: I think so. Uh, you know, look, it, uh, Yankee fans are notorious. When the Yankees fans, uh, you know, signed Kluber and Tyon everyone said, oh, yeah, I like these additions. This is pretty great because everyone believed that there was another starter coming, right? And if you went out and got Luis Castillo from the Reds, let's just say, uh, then everybody would have been fine with this. And everybody kind of looked at this and said, oh, yeah, this is great. This is, this is a good situation. Um, but the minute anything goes bad, they're going to be, Yankee fans are going to be the first ones to tell you, all right, look, Kluber's not working. Get rid of him. All right, well, listen, you know, we're only a couple games in here. All right, that's it. Now, I think that they made... Wrong decisions organizationally with this team that you can certainly attack. Debbie Garcia, he's a lightning rod. He's somebody that I want to see. I want to see him up. Did he not get the call just because Domingo German pitched a really good spring training, or did he not get the call because they're saving his arm? I'm not sure. If it's you want to save his arm, you want to maximize him at the end of the year, all right, I'm on board. If it's because you thought Domingo German was going to be a better guy, I don't agree with holding him down. Clint Frazier is the guy that the Yankees never believed was going to be a, a full-time starter, right? The Yankees have had wavering consent on him. Clint Frazier was going to be this, was going to be that. Finally, they, they give him the shot. Here you go. He's not running with it. It's 10-11 games. Why is Brett Gardner in? Now, I love Brett Gardner, but why are they pulling him out of the lineup? Why are they doing that? Let's also remember that in the middle of this lineup, with all the big names, Luke Voigt is not in there. The guy led the major leagues in home runs last year. And then we get to the Glaber Torres situation. Glaber Torres is not a shortstop. This is an organizational problem. Glaber Torres should not play shortstop. It's too much on his plate to be playing shortstop. He's not a good shortstop, and he's trying to play a position. And his offense is suffering. Now, last year he came in. They said he was out of shape, uh, you know, and then at the end of the year he looked really good. Well, you know, I got a problem with a guy coming into camp out of shape. I got a problem with Gary Sanchez getting all of this, uh, here you go, Gary, a lot, of le- a lot of leash, here you go, do whatever you want. No, no, no we need more D.J. Lemayus and less Gary Sanchez's right now. So you have guys on this roster that you can point to, Aaron Boone and Cashman, because I'm sure it comes from both, that I don't understand the direction. I don't understand why is Glaber not at the second baseman? Why did they not go get a shortstop? Sure, bash that. I think they tried to get them starting pitching, and nobody was really available. I didn't love the fact that they remade their bullpen and what they've remade. I like Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson, but they're a little uninspiring. I don't like that Debbie Garcia is up here. I don't like that for Luke Voigt, instead of putting Mike Ford, who's actually better, they had Jay Bruce, who retired today. Okay, 11 games into the season. Why was he on the roster? I don't like that you're okay with giving my, you know Giancarlo Stanton four years of or three years of crying and looking like garbage out there. But Clint Frazier has eleven bad days, and, and you're pulling them out and you're putting in you know Brett Gardner. I don't like a lot of the decisions that are being made. But it's not just Cashman; this is organizational decisions that I have problems with.
1: Tommy, the Yankees look to right the ship as they have dropped an ugly five in a row so far. They go a day off tomorrow, and then they entertain the Atlanta Braves. So you're going to get a two-game set with Atlanta, and those two guys you talked about, Talion and Kluber, will be on the bump in those two matchups.
0: And that's the thing. Look, you know, one of these guys, we said it from the beginning. Uh, When we heard the signings, Tim, me and you were on the air, and I said, you don't need both to be okay. You just need one. And he doesn't even have to be great. He's got to be okay. Uh, Right now, both of them don't look very good. But it's early. New team, early, both coming off injuries. Both, got, both have a lot of problems going on. They're going to write the ship. I really do believe it. Maybe not both, but I need one of them to just write the ship. And look, Tampa Bay, sometimes you just have a team that's in your head. Tampa is in the Yankees' head. Let's see how they start to play when they're not playing, uh, you know, Toronto and uh, you know, that ridiculous lineup. When they're not playing T- Tampa, who just at this point, to use a Pedro Martinez term, uh, term is the Yankees' daddy. Let's try and see what they do when it's not those two teams.
1: Let's take a look at the American League East, Tom. After what is this week? We're about 15 games in, so right around a month. Um, Boston, 10 and six. The, the Rays, last year's AL champions. They, they've, of course, swept New York. Put them at eight and eight. Toronto, seven and nine. Baltimore, seven and nine. Again, too early to uh, write anybody off per se, Tom, but. What have you noticed so far in the East? It's Like you said, the Yankees are playing their worst baseball, but they only sit four games behind first. place Boston.
0: Yeah, that's, that's exactly the thing, Tim, and I'm really glad you brought that up because people go, oh, my goodness, the Yankees are the worst team in the American League. Oh, the Yankees are off. Oh, my goodness, the Yankees. Are... And I'm going, you know, I know it's bad, but what I said last night it was, it still holds true. They're only about a three or four game winning streak away from putting themselves right back into contention, right? I mean, they're five and ten guys. It's not like they're, they're you know two and twenty here. Five and ten. Uh, nobody else is jumping out in front of them. I, I'm not a believer in Boston's ten and six. Uh, you know, Tampa's about eight and eight. That's what I think they're going to be about. Toronto's seven and nine. I thought that they'd be a little over five hundred. No one's running away with this thing. They really aren't. And five and ten right now for the New York Yankees. I'm telling you, a three-game, four-game winning streak. All of a sudden, your game, two games under 500, you're fine. Look around baseball, outside of the Dodgers, okay? Who's really running away with this thing? It's just not there. It, it, look, I'm not ready to throw in the towel. And any of these teams that, you know, Minnesota Twins are six and eight. We throw in the towel. People flipping out in Minnesota. It's one more win than the Yankees. You know, Houston, last place, seven and eight. People flipping out in Houston. Only two games better than the Yankees. So, you know, the American League as a whole right now, I think we know Seattle's not winning that division. I think we know Boston's not winning that division. I think we know Kansas City's not winning that division. Right. So the three placeholders right now that are sitting in first place, Kansas City, Seattle, and Boston, we know definitively, Tim, they're not winning those divisions this year.
1: Yeah, and as as almost if you look at all of Major League most teams are sitting right around 500 or barely above, including a couple of those placeholders. When you look at the central, are you are you surprised with Chicago at a 500 record right now with all the pub that they had coming into the season? Now, when they win, Tom, they're able to put the runs up because the, the run differential is they're almost 20 run difference scored versus against, but yet they're sitting at eight and eight. Yeah,
0: yeah they're, they're eight and eight. Uh, let's remember that Tim Anderson, who I still believe is their best player on their team, uh, Tim Anderson's. Was on the, uh, the DL or the injured list, right? So he has not at all the up bats, and Eloy Jimenez going down was a massive blow to this team. Me and you talked about it. The day that it happened, I said, "Man, I think that this is going to really hurt them, uh, and that they're going to have to try to recover." You're missing Eloy Jimenez and Tim Anderson, very potentially your best one and two players. Okay, uh, yeah, eight and eight isn't so bad because of that. Let's remember what is going on you can't you have to have some context behind some of this stuff you know you've just got to have the, the understanding that this isn't in a bubble this is reality where the, the context matters who who are the white socks playing without you know who, what do the white Sox wind up doing white socks are 500 missing tim anderson the and eloy gymnast if you told a white Sox fan that i think that they would have signed up for it
1: a lot of uh... People surprised with the Detroit Tigers. Tom, at six and ten right now. Their run differential—they've given up almost 30 more runs than they've scored. Uh, just a poor 55 runs scored through 16 games. Yet I, I want to uh, shine the spotlight here, because as you said with the Yanks, let's get further into the season and see where we stand. Well, if you're a Tiger fan at six and ten right now, you're thinking, okay, that's okay. Let's times that by 10, Tommy. You're 60 and 100 for the year. Not good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You look at them, and this is a a completely different scenario, right? Um, Because nobody expects a lot from Detroit. So they're 6-10 record. Even though the Yankees are 5-10, you know that the Yankees have what it takes to turn it around. You also know that the Yankees are going to go out there and make some moves to turn it around. Detroit isn't going to do such things, right? Detroit uh, had a good season, a good series, came out firing. And Detroit's just in a method where, you never want to say that nobody wants to win games, because obviously they want to win games to him. But if they don't win games, who cares, as long as they develop their young talent. So get their young guys out there. Get them a little self-confidence. Let's develop this team. That's what they're thinking about, and that's the right thinking for a Detroit
1: team. You look at When you look at the Tigers, actually, and Boyd and Mize have been fairly good so far this year, Tom, with three of their six wins between those two guys and in and... Uh, boy, sitting at a two ERA right now. It's, it's the younger ones, right? You just said it. Arena, Scooball, they're getting hammered right now. And uh, th- that's just what you got to expect, right? They have to get those reps in.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, and that's the thing. I, I, I will tell you this. I do worry about pitchers getting thrown out there and just getting blasted day in and day out and start in and start out. Casey Mize, we, we saw, and we thought he was going to come up. And there was comparisons of Greg Maddox and ridiculous things like that. That's a lot of pressure on a kid. And then you have that te- pressure and you come in and you literally just, you, you can't get anything going up to the next level. I mean, nothing is working for you. A guy like, like Casey Mize and Dunning and Scoogle, you have this pressure. You have, you're going to be the next guy. And you come up and you don't have that immediate success. That immediate su- success that, uh, you know, a Sixto Sanchez had, for example. You don't have that. I don't care how much you say I still got my stuff. Tim, it's been three years since Casey Mize has been a good pitcher right now. And in his mind, that starts to creep in. It starts to creep into your psyche that it's been three years since I've been dominating people. It's been three years since I've had you know, that tremendous run that, that where I felt like Casey Mize. That starts to creep in, and I think that one of the results of COVID and, and you know the ridiculousness that was canceling the major league the minor league baseball season and all that horrible it's going to destroy guys because these young kids think about when you were 22 23 years old Tim right i mean break up with a girl you're you're going to be beat up about it for a week you know this is this is uh, going out there and getting your shot at the majors and just looking like absolute garbage and you've done it now for 3 years
1: out west, the L.A. Angels, Tom, 8-5, half game behind Seattle. They had their last two games canceled with the Twins' COVID situation. But when you look at the Angels, and I'll, give you, I'll always give you credit, you said you loved them this year. You were high on them. And so far out the gates, the, the trio of Otani, Jared Walsh, and Mike Trout are carrying this team, Tom, all batting over 300, all have four home runs and double-digit RBI totals right now.
0: Look, this is a team that is going to hit their way. They just need a little bit of pitching. I like what they did with the bullpen uh, before the year. I liked what they did with the bullpen. What's weird to me is that the Angels are in a position where they're only going to get stronger from the hitting side, and their pitching is just never going to seemingly recover. Uh, you look at at the the hitting. Anthony Redone isn't in there, right? I mean, he's not. He's not just all of a sudden. a, a Going to go, okay, here we go. I'm walking in the door, and Anthony Rendon uh, is going to be magically healthy. No, that's not happening. And you look around the, the, this, this team, they're getting him back. And when he does get healthy, that's another addition. But they still don't have the pitching team. I worry about Otani. I just had Jay Paris uh, on, and you guys, he wrote the Otani book, right? I just had Jay Paris on this morning with me at Sports Carton, and you guys could listen to that at Wagering Week. Uh, subscribe to that if you can. That's my podcast, and we put up the interview. And I, I brought the same thing to him, and I said, you know, look, I'm going to get a little combative with you right now, uh, but I, I worry about Ohtani. I, I don't think he should be pitching because he's only pitching four or five innings right now. The chances for him to get hurt are massive, and even if he does, Tim, how many innings do you possibly think Ohtani's going to give you? So I think that the Angels hitting is only going to get better, and the Angels pitching is only going to get worse. I had them winning this division, backed on their bats and the move that I think that they will make at the deadline – and I still feel like they're gonna win this division, but man, I would love to see something more out of some of these pitchers.
1: Otani slated to pitch Tuesday night in Anaheim against the Rangers. And you said it best. We both marveled at the, the way that the, the bullpen was was uh, put together when they brought in the veterans and like Tony Watson and Steve Chiswick to get to Iglesias. Junior Guerra's been money out of the pen so far this year on Mike Myers, one of the better setup men in baseball. But the yeah, the starting pitching is is trash right now, other than Dylan Bundy.
0: Right. Um, I mean, Dylan Bundy looks good. I thought and I thought he was going to be okay, right? I thought he was going to be a guy to step up. Uh, you you kind of hope that this team would be be able to develop a little bit, would be, be able to give them some innings. My worry about the bullpen here, Tim, is that they might be burned out.
1: And the team in the Lead in the American League of Western, right? the Seattle Mariners, 10-6. and six. It's always good, Tom, at the beginning of the year to see how long that these teams that were picked to finish towards the bottom of their division can, can stretch it out. And, and sometimes you get lucky, right, Tom? Sometimes you get a little bit past the all-star break with the team. We've seen Milwaukee do it year after year, it seemed like, years ago. And then eventually the wheels fall off and they come back to reality. When you look at Seattle, and we both know the blueprint for the Mariners, a lot of youth there are going to develop these kids. They're obviously further along than Detroit would be. But how long can they really sustain this, Tom, when you look at the, the talent there? And I'm talking, I'll say more so on the the pitching side of the ball. How long? We just talked about the Angels having starting pitching problems. How long can these pitchers and in, in Seattle continue this pace?
0: They can't, but here's the thing. I, you know, we know that Seattle just, When they go out there and do they fired uh, an executive because he said we're going to hold guys down, right? So I want to tell you that this is going to fall off fast for Seattle. It's going to be a disaster. But if they decided that they wanted to push some guys, they have some guys, and they got some arms ready to go, right? I mean, George Kirby should be up uh, and and firing away. Jared Kelnick, I know he's not a, uh, a pitcher, but he should be up and firing away. They have some guys they could go tap into, this is why I'm saying, you know, we look at the Yankees and we pile on. Does anybody believe Seattle's winning this division? No, we all know it's going to fall off. The wheel's going to fall off this. And unlike other organizations, they will not dip into their minor league system to go get the help that they have there and the help that they absolutely go need to go get, right? They have to go get them if they want to compete. But Seattle's mindset with these young guys is, eh, you know what? If we compete, we compete. It's a matter of let's keep them here the longest that we can. It's a terrible organizational mindset, but we know that that is their mindset.
1: The good news in Seattle, to continue the start, is they do get Kyle Lewis back this week, Tom, and we know what he brings to the table.
0: Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you have a lot of uh, reinforcements coming if they can hit their peak. I don't know how Kyle Lewis is going to hit the ground running, right? A lot of people called him last year, Luke, um, I think he's going to be a very good player. But I don't know if he, he, you know, with with this injury, we don't know how you know, how much lingering it's going to have. Does he come back and all of a sudden start swinging that beautiful bat again? I mean, we don't know. You don't know because he's young and he doesn't have the track record.
1: Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, ninety-eight nine FM, thirteen forty AM. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton's talking Major League Baseball. We come back from the timeout. We'll switch over to the National League side where the Dodgers. Continue their World Series run from last year off to a hot start. We'll get Tom's thoughts on the National League West and their weekend series victory over the San Diego Padres, everybody's favorite team to upend the Dodgers this year, except for us. We'll break it down on the other side of the break. He Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio.
0: Heatwave Sports with Tim Unglesby,
1: Ball Guys. Really, when you look at it. Every, every major sport has it, right? Baseball, basketball, hockey, football, even the soccer. Major League Soccer has one. You can get a college football package, college basketball. Everybody's has a package. But, Tom, there's nothing better than knowing for a great a, a six-month period that every night you can literally turn on your TV and have 10 to 12 baseball games at, at, at your disposal. And, like, tomorrow night, for instance, and I know it's three-hour difference there on the on the East Coast, but tomorrow night the West Coast teams are home. So, for me, I'll have the Angels and Dylan Bundy on. I'll have the Dodger game against the Mariners, two first-place teams going at it, right? And I love this matchup tomorrow night in San Diego, the Brewers on the road against the Padres. You get Brandon Woodruff and you get Joe Musgrove. For me, my night's set. Yeah,
0: yeah it's it, it, it you get a good pitching matchup and then you get that you know that secondary game to kind of flip back and forth from uh, yeah it's absolutely there is a, a beauty about baseball and this is what i was talking about with the yankees that it's just so long and there's so many games but that doesn't only mean that i'm talking about 162 like you said the choices are immense for what do you want to watch what's going to be your watching pleasure tonight You could find something. You could find, you want pitching? We got pitching. You want a good hitting matchup? Oh, I'm sure you can find a good hitting matchup. You know, you want to flip back and forth and only get, uh, you know, a Mike Trout at at bat or whatnot. Yeah, we could do that too. That is the beauty of every day going and just being a baseball fan. You're flipping around. You're finding exactly what you want for that night.
1: The National League West, Tom, the Dodgers, the champs, we know that. 90 runs scored so far this year. Give it up just 52, 13-3 start. They are just, they're the reverse of New York right now, right? They've just come out, guns a blazing.
0: Yeah, look, the Dodgers are doing it without Cody Bellinger. I mean, I can't state that enough because it's remarkable to me that they're doing this without Cody Bellinger. We knew that the Dodgers were going to be a a ridiculously good team this year, and I thought Vegas set the over-under a little high at 105. I thought, oh, come on, it's 105, you know? Uh, that's just a ridiculous number. Not looking ridiculous now. This is a team that is battling history. They want to be, after so many times of getting so close, right, then you finally win the World Series. And what what do all the haters rip apart? Well, it was COVID, right? I mean, you know, was it a real World Series? Now they want to go out there and they want to prove to people, oh, cool. You don't want to give us credit for winning a championship? Here's what we're going to show you. Here's what we're going to do. They have a determination. It's not only that they're playing well, they're playing determined. They have a determination that few teams can muster day in and day out over 162 games, and the Dodgers look like that team right now, that they can bring this out, they can muster this, because they have something to prove. And it's, it's the guys that have doubted them. It's the guys that said, you know what, oh, good, well, you won a championship. Yeah, but we're not really going to give you a credit. Even winning a championship, which a lot of people did that Tim." They're using it as fuel. They are the most complete roster. We knew that. They have the best pitching. We knew that. Probably have the best hitting. And it's coming together. So you have a motivated team that has the talent to back up their motivation.
1: So if I said, Tom, give me the Achilles heel, if you can find one on the Dodgers, or what it will be in the season, or what will cost them an opportunity to repeat as champions, where would you have to go with that? Uh,
0: look, it's, I, I said it in the beginning, it's the innings. And it's not necessarily injuries, it's the innings. Clayton Kershaw will not pitch 180 innings plus this year. Okay? Walker Bueller has never pitched 180 innings plus. We know that. And that's their one-two right there. Ken Trevor Bauer? Sure. Um, but I worry about their innings. And not only do I worry about their innings, I think that the Dodgers are going to worry about their innings. I, I know everyone's pointing to Kenley Jansen, but that middle relief, is going to be tested because they're going to have to come into games in the fifth and sixth inning. You don't really have many guys that are going to go deep into games. That's the only Achilles heel that I see on this team. And
1: you're, you know, you speak of the inning limit too. Urias and Dusty May are not—they're not ready to pitch that load of innings either. I think so. This is where the depth's going to have to come in for the Dodgers and what they're going to be able to do at that point. And that's
0: the thing. Even him, you know, how many innings are you going to go? When you have a shortened season like we did last year, and I've said this all along, i said this on the Sports Garden Network radio show, uh, you know, week in and week out. Forget about April. April's going to play out like April plays out. May is going to play out like May plays out. June, maybe even into July. It's late July, August, September, that guys are going to start feeling it. They haven't played this kind of workload. If you have young guys on the team they haven't played this workload maybe ever, okay, Um, you have some older guys that they're not in the greatest of shape. Everyone thinks, oh, they're professional athletes. They're in the greatest of shape. No, they're not. Not all of them. And you're going to start to feel that. It's going to start to be a problem mentally, being away that long when you're not used to it. I know some people here, Tim, and, and this is not to put down a regular job, quote unquote. I know some people that are nine to five jobs now, and they're going back to work. And they just can't seem to get motivated to go back. And they go, oh, man, I forgot what it was like to go, you know, five days a week, nine to five. Ah, it's a little grueling. You know, all of a sudden, that's your, that's your work job, Tim. That, that's, that's your office job. You're not running around in a grueling nature, moving away from your family like Major League Baseball players are. So I, I think the Dodgers, something like that could throw them off. The innings, the tiredness, the rest, that is something. And I'm not talking about injuries here because they've shown that they can sustain injuries. What I'm talking about is the mental aspect.
1: round one of Dodgers-Padres this weekend, Tommy. The Dodgers win two of the three games. In game one, a, a sizable lead. The Padres fought back, forced the extra innings before the Dodgers, put up a five-spot in the 12th inning to win it. Game two, just a great pitching matchup with Clayton Kershaw and Hugh Darvish. Two-nothing win for the Dodgers. In game two. And then today the Padres got them back late in the baseball game. They, they were able to pull off a 5-2 victory. So th- this is pretty much going to be the the setup the rest of the year in this division. We already knew that coming into the season, Tom. And we get our first taste of it this week. And there's a three-game uh, set for each of these teams. This week it will be the Dodgers and the Mariners, Padres and Milwaukee. And then those two teams will meet again this weekend in L.A., Tom, for a four-game set.
0: I don't want to burst your bubble here or everybody's bubble out on the West Coast, but how many games did the Dodgers beat San Diego?
1: How many games did they just beat them by? This week. All but one, right?
0: All but one. That's what they've done. And everybody wants to make this out to be the next great rivalry. Look, it's good that they... Uh, You know, there's a little juice there, and everybody's pitting them against each other. And, oh, it's going to be great. Oh, man, I can't wait to sign up. And these are going to be great games. Uh, The Dodgers are playing with a half a team at this point, and they're beating up on the Padres. I don't think this is going to be as exciting as people believe it's going to be. I don't think we're sitting here in August and worrying about, oh, you know what? I I don't know. The Dodgers and Padres, it's still anyone's game. I don't think that's going to happen. The Dodgers beat up on San Diego this week. And, and I think they're going to continue to do that. I can't imagine San Diego turning around and getting the better of the Dodgers for a series, maybe, for the year. It's not going to be that close. Dodgers are winning this division by 10 games, Tim.
1: Same issues in San Diego that will haunt them is the, how many innings these pitchers can go, right? Blake Snell has not pitched more than five innings this year.
0: Right. And we see that. And it's the same thing with you Darvish. doesn't pitch, pitch, pitch deep into games. Uh, Chris Paddock does not pitch deep into games. You bring up a guy, even if you bring up a guy like Mackenzie Gore, I know, look, they keep looking and say, well, you know, we got these guys coming back from injured list. How many, how many innings are you going to let them go? How many innings? And then you look at a bullpen where that bullpen has some talent, Tim, none of them has been in this spot before. You, you have a guy, well, you know what, he might be a closer, maybe not a closer, and well, maybe you're the eighth inning guy, I'm not quite sure. I look at their pitching in a short series. If they get into the playoffs and I go, man, scary. I look at their pitching for a regular season. I'm not too concerned
1: about it. In the central, the the favorites, St. Louis Cardinals, Tom, seven and eight at the 15-game mark. And another, here we go again, common theme, right? The, The starting pitching just getting racked.
0: Yeah, and that's what it is. I mean, you know starting you around baseball, you're going to keep hearing me say that over and over because we are in a generation now where aces, I, I've said it for a couple of years, I don't think that there's 10 aces in baseball. Now, there's there's plenty of number ones. There's 25 number ones. That doesn't mean that there's aces. Um, and then you, even after the ones, go find me, go find me more than five good number fours out there. It just doesn't exist. Where that used to be the number five. Go find me. Ten, good number three Tim. Doesn't really exist, right? Three should be fours, fours should be fives, and a lot of ones should be twos right now. So you're going to see a lot of, a lot of problems when we're talking about pitching and arms and what the problems might be.
1: How do you feel about the Reds right now? Nine and six, they've scored the most runs in Major League Baseball, Tom, at 91. Bats on the ball. Uh, again, I was, I was a bigger Reds guy last year, than I was this year coming into the year. I assume that they will fall back to where they belong soon as well. I don't again, we talked about the pitching and that's with Castillo getting getting shellac so far this year, but depth wise, after that, it really is is Miley going to continue the way he's pitching, is Hoffman going to continue the way he's pitching. That's what it's going to come down to for me is I don't think they can sustain this nine and six mark throughout the at least halfway through the year for me.
0: Well two things worry me about the Reds. Number one, um, they're, they're beating up on teams that are in their division, so they're going to have like an inflated record, and that inflated record is going to be wide because the Cubs are having a bad year. We knew they were going to. Uh, it's going to be an inflated record because the Pirates are absolute garbage, right? Milwaukee has no pitching. Uh, so they're in a division where they're going to run into a few wins where they probably shouldn't run into any wins. But the other thing that worries me is the Reds have basically told their fans, they've told everybody, we're going to be sellers. We, we know, put it this way, we know that if it's a tight race, Tim, Cincinnati's not buying. They're not going to go buy. They're going to be the sellers. That has to worry you long-term if you're a Cincinnati fan. And I'm sorry. It, that has to weigh once it starts getting down to, you know, oh, oh are we close? Are we going to do something? It's got to weigh on the players' minds. It has to.
1: They've also had the benefit of playing nine of their 15 games in their home ballpark. They, they'll have to hit the road here for a long road trip coming up, actually. So we'll see where the Reds sit in, in two weeks' time. Over in the East, Tom, the <clears throat> so the Mets have played four less games than everybody else, seven and four due to cancellations. They've scored just 37 runs. They've given up just 37 runs, yet they sit in first place in the East.
0: They uh, sit in first place in the East, a very volatile East. I think we're going to see the East be highly competitive, um, but they're not only going to be highly competitive, but I think we're going to see a little bit of shakeup. You know, I was on the, on the Phillies. I said, look, I think the Phillies could turn this around. Why? Because the guy that struck out 10 today, Aaron Nola, and the guy that had a home run today, Bryce Harper, right? I think that they're dangerous. You were on Washington. A lot of people were on the Mets. Um, obviously, Miami doesn't look too good, and they probably won't. Uh, you know, you have some teams there, and Atlanta is still the best team in that division. I think this is going to be a fun division. And if you ask me any division in baseball that might get three teams in the playoffs, it's the East by far. And I'm not telling you that I'm going to leave San Diego out right now, but I think that San Diego is is kind of, in everyone's mind, a preconceived notion that they're definitely making the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me if they had a little competition where, when I say a little competition, from two teams in the East. Central's only given us one, right? Two teams for the East. I could see it happening.
1: So back there in New York, Tom, when <clears throat> when you have the Yankees off to a a bad start and the Mets off to a good start, it's still all about the Yankees out there, isn't it?
0: Oh, always, always. And you have the people like you know that try to give the Degrom credit, which he deserves a ton. Uh, but if Jacob Degrom was playing for the Yankees; they would have already put him in Canton. I mean, in, uh, in uh, Cooperstown, right? They would have put him in Cooperstown. Uh, He'd already have a buff, and he'd be still playing and pitching. It's just the nature of what drives everybody. The Yankee pinstripes drive the city. Now, this can become a Mets city, but it can't be a Mets city when the Yankees are good. We watched that during the World Series when they matched up against each other. When the Mets owned this city, it was when the Yankees were going through a
1: rough time in the
0: 80s. That's the only time the Mets have ever owned the city.
1: Isn't it more, the Yankees are generally always good, and then, when the Mets are bad or make dumb decisions in the front office, then everybody jumps on and talks about the Mets because it's a negative.
0: Oh, of course, right. And and look, the Mets, sometimes the Yankees get boring because they win, right? So you turn on New York radio and you try to listen uh, to the back pages and check it out, you'll see a lot of Mets chatter if the Yankees are just boring and just going about their business and winning. We saw that a lot of times in the 90s as well.
1: Just to close out the baseball situation here, Tom, we had the Twins-Angels two games postponed due to uh, COVID tracing, contact, conducted testing, whatever. Whatever they they said was the the reasoning to it. So that has now spilled over to Monday. So Oakland-Minnesota, game one canceled, tentatively scheduled for doubleheader Tuesday. They said there were four positive tests in the Minnesota locker room, they did say that it was also not all players, Tom, and yet we seen today that the Giants have two vaccinated players uh, on the on the uh, the injured list right now.
0: Yeah, well, they're sick because of the vaccination. I, I mean, the vaccinations are—it's uh, a dangerous thing. I mean, the vaccination, getting vaccinated, is dangerous, and I, I know that they're telling you uh, everybody out there to go do it. You no, know, that, that's fine. I'm not telling you not to do it. It's your own personal choice. Um, but there are certain risks that are a sense, assigned to any vaccination. We are starting to see um, you know, in the medical community a lot of, of heart problems and blood clots. And even if people are not dying, they're catching them. And this is to pro athletes that went out, got the vaccine, hit the, the injured list. You are, when you're getting a vaccine, and, and by the way, these are not vaccines. Let's just be clear. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but they're not vaccines. Vaccines eliminate the threat, uh, these by their, their maker's own admission, uh, you still can get COVID, right? <laughs> they don't know if it eliminates it. We're, we're in a, a testing phase right now. So when you see two pitchers go down, or two professional athletes, I don't care if they're pitchers or not, go down because they got the vaccination, it, it should stop and pause, and Major League Baseball should make sure that they're, they're paying attention to this. I know a lot of people go, you know what? And we don't know the reason here, Tim. A lot of people that I know that have gotten the vaccination, they can't lift their arm, right? I mean, they, they get that second shot. They go, man, I, I couldn't lift my arm. Well, these are both pictures. So maybe it's as simple as, as you know, can't lift your arm, you're, you're hurting. I've also, my, my wife works in a hospital system. I've also heard just horror stories about the vaccination. So it could go one of two ways. We don't know, but let's not jump to conclusions one way or the other. This could just be, ow, you know what, man? That was really a painful arm. Maybe they're a little under the weather, they're putting their restrictions, or, or this could be a bigger situation. I don't I don't want to speculate, but it just goes to show you that we might have to deal with this throughout the year as well, where players are missing time not because of COVID, but because they're trying to prevent COVID.
1: And look, you know people that have gotten the vax. I know people that have gotten the vax in my own household. I have not. I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. I'm just going to watch it play out kind of. And, you know, you get the people in your ear that want to tell you, well, you're, risk, you're at risk. I was at risk a year ago, Tom. I'm at risk today, you know. And like you said, there are people that have gotten a dosage of it and end up getting COVID anyway. So it's, it's a personal thing. It's a personal decision, like you said. And we saw how well, though, that sports, you you would figure for all those athletes, and we're encompassing over a year now, and with the, the bubbles and, and the, the, the testing that, a very, very small percentage got the COVID virus.
0: Oh, should, should I give my PSA now, Tim? <laughs> you know, My PSA uh, uh, to, to the COVID vaccination and everything else is very simply this. Look, it is your own choice. What I would suggest is anybody that's going out there and fearful of COVID, go get healthy. Eat healthy, work out, uh, get yourself down to a good weight. They're saying that 75% of all the COVID patients that, that had complications uh, are considered overweight. That, that's, that's massive. And then, you know, lock us in our houses, make us all eat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we're going to gain a little bit more weight. But, but I'm dead serious here. Look, if, if you are very serious about your health and you're, oh, I see so many people tell me, oh, man, you got to go get the vaccination, all uh, right. You weigh 350 pounds, dude. You know what I mean? Like, Listen, you can't talk to me about health while you're like that. Go out. This is a great time to go get healthy. But it does show you, though, Tim, that even if you're a professional player and a professional athlete, um, maybe that's why that, that we haven't seen complications or massive complications on a grand scale because these athletes are in pristine shape, most of them.
1: And I guess that would be the same with children is that generally most children are in good health, right?
0: That is my thing about the the vaccination. And I don't want to go down uh, this road too much, but but I will for a minute. My own feelings is kind of like yours. I'm not against the vaccination. Um, I'm not getting it right now. I don't want to be elaborate, right? I'll, I'll get it probably. Maybe. I don't know. But if you're telling me that, Kids, it's unsafe for children to get it, but you want to shoot it in my arm? I got, I got some reservations here. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if we were sitting here in September and every doctor to a doctor said, there's no way that they should be rolling this out this quickly because you have to have clinical trials.
1: Well, I'm
0: going to just this magically change. So I'm not upset about people getting, uh, getting vaccination. Go do it. I think older people should take the risk. I get it. Um, but if you're relatively in health, look, it's a personal choice. Take it, don't take it. It doesn't really matter. I will tell you something funny though, Tim, that to make everybody laugh a little bit. Somebody, uh, somebody said to me, uh, and and I thought this was great. They said, you know, if they came out with a shot that all of a sudden, you know, they said was a birth control shot, and uh, you, know, you took a birth control shot, but after you took the shot, Tim, you still had to wear a condom, and it was still a chance that you could still give birth. Would you go get the shot? <laughs> right? And you go, No, of course not. Well, go get the vaccination, but still wear a mask and you still might get COVID. It, to me it just doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, I was reading that when they first described the the vaccination before it had officially come out, rolled out that they were saying that oh, you're gonna have to have a vaccination card to go to any major events where the public would gather, so sporting events, concerts, etc. Right? I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen now, Tom. I, I mean, they say that 50% of the United States is vaccinated at this point, which I, I don't know if that's true or not either. But I, I really don't see them being able to uh, p- have a policy like that, where they're, I mean, they're they're letting people in stadiums now, Tom. So how are you going to tell me that if everybody's supposed to be getting vaccinated? that you're going to have to show proof of vaccination to attend a baseball game.
0: You want to hear what's even worse, uh, Then There's already a market.
1: I know plenty of
0: guys. Uh, there's already a market that they're making fake vaccination cards. This is the world we live in. People are making fake vaccination cards. I'm like, what? <laughs> my, my, uh, what are we doing? Are we, are we serious? But people are so afraid that, yeah, things are going to happen where you have to carry around your card. Listen, I'm not saying it's Nazi Germany, but uh, I see some some similarities. <laughs> was that too far, Tim, for, for Sunday night radio on Fox Sports?
1: Let's go out and get that that counterfeit Maguire rookie card and then throw me a vaccination card on top of it, Tom.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was my whole thing. I was like, look, I'm not getting one but I, or have any interest, but I had to ask, I was like, how much, right? Because <laughs> I gotta wonder, how much are we selling these vaccination cards for? You know, what is the market? Who's setting that price? Like, who's the guy that's gonna set the price? And then is somebody gonna undercut them? Like, I got a hundred dollars for vaccination cards. Is there gonna be another dude that goes, yeah, I got mine for fifty? Like, <laughs> I mean, is this gonna become a big
1: business here, too? I'll tell you what, we got a big hour two. In store for everybody as we head back to the NFL. We're going to talk wide receivers eligible to be drafted in the NFL draft. Who are Tom's, some of Tom's favorites and some of the NFL props on where these guys will get drafted. We'll break that down for you in Hour 2. It's Heatwave Sports here on a Super Sunday night. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Attention.